the Underdog Podcast from SB Nation and Underdog Dynasty. All right, football fans, welcome back to the Underdog Podcast where we talk G5 football and only G5 football for Underdog Dynasty. And this is another episode of Joe Talk. And I'm one half of that, me, Joe Serpico. All the line, it's Joe Burback. What's up, Joe? What's up? What's up? How you doing? We have reached another Monday. And even though it was only four games this weekend, there were four pretty, let's just say, three eventful games this weekend. In a wild weekend in college football, let's say that, too. Oh, yeah. like all Very, very board, wild. All across the board. I mean, inside the conference, everything kind of went a little bit as planned, I guess you would say, as far as the teams that won. I would I would argue that all four teams that won were yeah all four teams that won were the favorites, so it really doesn't come as a surprise that those four teams win, but it's kind of how some of these teams won this week. So I guess we've got to start with that UCF game. They barely snuck it out. I would I don't want to say barely snuck it out. Uh, I would actually let's just get right to down to it. Memphis is. Clock management at the end of that game. There's really no excuse for that right there. I mean, it was just flat out terrible. What? I mean, I'm still in shock, and I know you are too. I mean, you had the 10 second runoff, and then the completion inbounds ruined a game that honestly Memphis dominated for the good portion of the game until basically the fourth quarter. Yeah, it was. I was I was so frustrated with how the game ended. Not like I wasn't like mad at Brady White or Tony Pollard or you know whoever, but it was just like with how that game was going, it was such a disappointing way for the game to end. You know, I mean, I almost thought that basically as soon as Memphis got the ball, that they were going to win that game. I don't know if you had the same feeling. Granted, I did yeah. pick Memphis to win, so I was kind of hoping for it a little bit too. Yeah, well, with how the game was going, it yeah, it definitely felt like they had UCF's number. But then the second half, they came out, and then the rain came, and I don't like. I'm not going to blame the rain because UCF was a good team. It's not like they lost to. But the rain, the rain definitely played a factor for both teams. Yeah, but, and then yeah, like I said, first, the first half, I mean, they were kind of going after each other a little bit. And then in the second half, it was a completely different game. Right. And it affected both teams. So it's not like you can say, Oh, well, Memphis really struggled because of the rain. It's like, well, UCF played in the same conditions and did just fine. But it was, well, you can, uh, here's the thing. I wanted them to get a chance to score points, but they didn't score any points in the second half, so you can't really like get upset that they didn't get a chance because they had all uh, the whole second half to do so. Mm-hmm. But it, yeah, I was spoiled a good game from Henderson too. <laughs> well, I, t- I told my fiance like I literally can't write this recap because I'm so frustrated with how this game ended. Not because Memphis lost, but I like it was just so annoying that that's how it ended because that game was so good, as someone predicted. Thank you very much. But it didn't. It just didn't end how the game was going, which is frustrating. But no, I totally understand what you're saying in the sense of that you don't want just the clock to run out. Like you want it to be a 
a fourth down play that decides the game. Not something just as you know, just as simple as that. And that that penalty, I mean, I that really did it right there. That's a huge penalty in that spot. Yeah, it was okay. beginning to the end, and then they have the last play that it was. There's a still 18 seconds left, and they use all 18 on one play. It was yeah. just. And I'm like, I'm okay if Riley Patterson comes in and misses a field goal, but he never even got a chance. Exactly. No, no, no shot whatsoever. Just because of poor management was all around. I mean, in all honesty, all around. And UCF fans go, really worried. Yeah, I know. Let you go on your little tangent on that real quick, too, while you're at it. Well, it's just, I don't know. It was like it was the same thing with Alabama last year with UCF. So UCF had this undefeated season. They claimed national championship, and Alabama fans got super sensitive about it. And now UCF's trying to repeat their undefeated season, and they look vulnerable. Memphis was up thirty to seventeen at halftime, and it, it, they were controlling the game. Like there was no doubt about it. Anybody that watched that game saw what was going on and UCF fans came into this game thinking oh we're going to win by double digits it's not even going to be close but then all of a sudden they're down 13 at halftime and then they come back and they win by one thanks mostly to a penalty and a terrible play but then I write the recap and the first thing I said was that UCF looked vulnerable which is a true statement if you watch the game and People were just getting all over me, like, why would you post something so negative? Like, why are you pushing pushing UC and or UCF in a negative light? Like, it was just like, where is this coming from? Like, are you that sensitive that your team might have lost and someone's like called it out and you can't handle that? Like, what the heck? That's every fan base, though. I know. But, well, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not making friends in the state of Florida these days, but... No, you're not, whatsoever. But that I didn't say anything like, your team sucks. I just said your team... Like, I literally st- stated something that you can prove is that they looked vulnerable. And I think everybody that watched the game could agree. I'm not arguing you. You better not. I believe everything you say, always. <laughs> That's a lie. Everything. We agree about everything we do on this podcast. Ah, uh, yeah. Our podcast would be so boring if we did. I guess let's talk the other Florida games since you're just in, in a good mood about these teams right now. Another one, and all honestly, you can make the same argument about everything you just said about UCF, you can say about USF right now, too. But the only difference being that USF, it's been for the last three three weeks. I mean, USF is, it's not like they're pounding teams as of late either. They're, I feel like USF is in close games a lot too. And it, that was the same thing last year too. They were, they'd struggle right away and then they'd have to come back against bad teams and they had to do it against Tulsa. They needed 15 fourth quarter points to, to beat Tulsa. Now, now you're like kind of beating up on Tulsa, but I guess. We can finally say, I guess, a little bit that Tulsa actually looks pretty good defensively. They talked about it a lot in the game. I didn't really watch the game a whole lot, but I did know that every time I was listening in, it seemed like they were talking about Tulsa's defense. Yeah, they're a lot Cause better. Because they're, they're good. Like It's not like there's been a game where they've just been beat up. Like They hold their own for the most part. It's just offensively, they're terrible. 
Well, when your quarterback goes six for twenty-one for seventy-nine yards, that's exactly that's tough. Exactly. I mean, the running game's just fine. Their defense is better. It's. I think Tulsa stacked the box on them. I mean, obviously, you know what I mean. Quarterback can't do anything to help them out. I think Tulsa is a better team than than a lot of people realize. Like their one and five record doesn't. I was going to say they're better. Yeah, they're better than their record. Yeah, and I have them higher in the. I moved them up actually in the power rankings this week. Whoa, that's not saying much for this conference though. Well, that's also true. Anything else you want to say about the Bulls that game? Because honestly, I mean, they were losing twenty-four to ten until a minute left in that third quarter, and then, like you said, ripped it up in the the fourth quarter there. I mean, if you want to justify, was that more about was that more about Tulsa blowing it, or you know USF finally coming alive in that fourth quarter? Uh, probably a combination, but that's a cop out. I would probably say it has more to do with how like Tulsa's a better team. But they're they're still not a good team. I'd be curious to no, see how many saying. yards they had in the fourth quarter. Tulsa, that is. I bet you they got torched in the fourth quarter. It seems like the fourth quarter they never touched the ball. Yeah, which that's pro that's I mean, that has nothing to do with the defense. Like the offense has to do their part eventually. Mm-hmm. No arguments there. Um the other game inside the conference well, excuse me, two more games, but another big, the bigger game, I guess you would say, inside the conference. It was that Temple 24-17 win over Navy. Uh, important note that I have down here, which kind of caught my eye, was uh, Ventel Bryant, 62-yard touchdown. It was his first touchdown since 2016, which is, okay, doesn't sound like anything, but it's also a little bit weird considering the fact that he is a catch in 42 consecutive games, but this is his first touchdown in basically a year and a half almost well it seems two years it seems like he's been in at temples for you know 10 years also true i thought i say that about who was who was i having this argument with the other day oh um oh what's the guy's name from tcu turpin i feel like he's been there for forever also yeah we talked about that a couple weeks ago actually yeah yeah he's been there forever there's there's certain guys you always get that sense about right yeah well I think last year you and I thought that he might be one of those he, guys he that dis- would he was, break he out. He disappeared last year, and it was nowhere to be found. Yeah, which was crazy. And, and he was – I mean, he he did have some injuries, but he played in – I mean, I just said it. He had a catch in every game, so it's not like he was just like – but he just never became that dominant guy. Yeah. I mean, which is what I mean. He was the dominant guy in this game. Eight catches, one forty-seven and a TD. I think nobody else had more than three catches in the game. But otherwise, I mean, you said it before the show. I think also, if you're going on the other side of the ball, the bigger key is that uh, Navy's finally moved on from Malcolm Perry as their quarterback. I don't know what you really call that position they play there, but quarterback, and they've gone to Garrett Lewis. Not that it has really amounted to much. It seems. Seems like Navy this year, and I, I kind of called it this year, but I thought it was more going to be more of a schedule thing. But Navy just cannot get on track this year. Well, I, you and I, I think kind of agreed on that, and I, but I think you and I both also, like you said, thought that might have to do more with the schedule. But and may, maybe it is the schedule. Maybe there it's affecting I mean, it more than I mean, we think. Before before the game was, I was in the channel and I was talking about how nervous I was about this game, just because of Navy. 
oh, well, I forget what the, the stat that I kept hearing was, and it was in my head, was something like Navy had never lost as a home underdog in since like 2005 or something Jeez. like that. And then here it is, Temple's the team to do it. So it was in my head for you know a day and a half, and I almost right. changed it. And I even put Navy in my uh, in my underdogs against the spread. It turned out to be a push, but whatever. I'll take that. That's a win in my book. Yeah, it's well. I don't. Any other yeah. year, that pick is is. I would. Those are legitimate concerns. Any other year, but it feels like it's just not the same Navy team this year. It's definitely not. You do. You feel like that they're going to do exactly basically what they did in this Temple game. That in the fourth quarter they're going to give it away, as opposed to years past where you're like, well, they'll always stick it around. And then maybe they'll, you know, maybe they'll pull one out. This year, that you just know it's over by the fourth quarter. I feel like, mm-hmm. yeah, which is, I mean, as a tumble guy, I'm not hiring about this week, so whatever. I will complain about this. This CBS Sports Network thing, I've about had enough of. I've Where's... complained about it. On, I've complained about it on this podcast before. <laughs> I pay. $15 a month for a sports package and somehow that is not included. Yeah. I don't understand what am I paying for if I'm paying extra $15 a month for a sports package and I can't get that channel. If I want that channel it's another $15 for one freaking channel. Not going to happen. Get it together CBS Sports Verizon whoever I got to complain at. <laughs> Absolute joke. Alright. One more game inside the uh conference this past week and that's Houston beating up on ECU uh, 42 to 20 it sounds a lot closer than it actually was considering ECU scored two touchdowns in the last four minutes of the game that's basically just Houston I mean let's be honest they don't care at that point um, anything about that game that really stood out to you I, I'm, the thing that caught my eye was Ed Oliver strip sack that led to a touchdown. The guy's a monster. What else is new? He had, I think he had five tackles for a loss and two sacks to go with that. Yeah, I mean, the guy is just a beast. Yeah, he's... And against a team, like, I love that he never takes a game off. Like, he could take this game off if he really wanted to. Nah. Let me just go out here and just dominate. Right. And I feel, maybe, we might have to start talking about him more because next year we're not going to be able to talk about him. That's also very true. Isn't that weird? Yeah, let's just call this the Ed Oliver podcast from now on. There you go. I like that. The EOP. EOP. Mm, that's got a nice ring to it. I like it. Oh, hold on. No, that won't work. I tried to think of how we could use our name. because there is an E and an O in there. There is an E and an O. We'll, we'll figure out something by next week for that. Yeah, there we go. We'll, we'll come back. We'll come back to that. On that note, let's dive into what's ahead in this upcoming week. And I said it to you before the show, something that really, really caught my eye. And when I said it to you, kind of stunned you a little bit too. And that is the uh, 12 o'clock game that, again, features my Temple Owls taking on an undefeated Cincinnati team who is coming off a bye. Right? Cincinnati's coming off a bye, so they're going to have two weeks to prepare for this game. Temple is a four-point favorite. I understand they're at home. I don't get this. Even as a Temple alum, I don't understand this line. 
Because Temple, even when they've won, like this game against Navy this past week, hasn't been pretty. None of their none of their wins have been pretty. Even that win against Maryland, I would argue that's just Maryland was self imploding in that game. So to see Cincinnati as an underdog, even on the road, shocking to me. Well, just it, I've been talking about it all year. I feel like Cincinnati doesn't actually get the respect that they deserve. I think people respect USF more than they respect Cincinnati. But if you've ever watched any of their games, Cincinnati's more consistent. They don't look like US, a better team. Don't tell USF fans because they've been arguing last week on their uh, G5 rankings. We had a ton that were coming after us because Cincinnati was ranked higher. Which they should be. Like, watch the game. I mean, the hard... I agree with you. I I have them ranked higher. I'm one of those people that have them ranked higher. Yeah, I've had them ranked higher all year because they've looked better. I mean, well, okay. I wonder... Let me look at their schedule. Because USF has had three games against teams that they... That were well, that weren't you, great. You, USF's fans' argument is they're you know, they're two power five wins. But like beating Illinois is not. It's I, it, it counts. I know it that's does. I know using, it does. That's but, what they're using to make it count. But it doesn't matter. Like there are still, I guess. The thing with that is they'll use that argument for them now, but. When it comes down to, like, you go back to last year with UCF and the argument people are using against them is they don't have enough Power 5 teams on their schedule. So it's like they just pick and choose when they want to use that argument sort of thing. And Cincinnati has good wins against teams that aren't Power 5 teams that were also solid. I mean, they beat UCF. They have one less win against Power 5 programs if you want to go by the numbers. So you can essentially just wash Illinois and UCLA. And so USF's claim to fame is that they beat Georgia Tech by one. So I don't take that for whatever it's worth. But like Cincinnati, their only close win was against Ohio. And Ohio is a really good team. And everybody else, they've just been blowing them out. So it's just I don't know. Did you see? Did you watch the USF game against Tulsa? Yes. No, I watched like a replay of it. Uh, at one point, they they put up a stat, and it was um, the numbers, or excuse me, the the record of the teams in Florida for the past three years. Three years. And they were trying, you know, they're trying to make the argument that USF has been the best team in Florida the past three years. And I thought that was kind of like, you know, almost using this, almost using stats against UCF to be honest, because we all remember that. I mean, the the year before last year, UCF was terrible. That's what that's what made their run last year even more magical. The year before, they were so good. So I but like, that was a little bit interesting that, that, you know, they went out of their way to, you know, and I mean, it's true. Don't get me wrong. The numbers were true. If you look at it, the records over the past three years, they are the best team in Florida. But like, but what, what does that give you? This, yeah, that's what I mean. I, I think for this year and then even as a program, I think they still have question marks moving forward. Because even Barnett, if, if I if I remember correctly, he's, he's a, basically a one and done. 
So then they're back in the same situation next year trying to figure out who's their quarterback. Right, and it's like you don't want a trophy for it, so what, like, why does that matter? Also very true, too. I get it's bragging rights or whatever, but it, it like it it doesn't matter. It's just they're just numbers. Oh, we have more wins than you in the last whatever however many years. Yeah, well, UCF won the Peach Bowl and claimed a national championship, and USF won in the Birmingham Bowl. Like, who cares? And that was supposed to be USF last year. Instead, it was UCF. I think that's what makes it sting a little bit more for them, at least. It's I don't know why. It's one of those things. It's like you they bring up and you're like, okay, cool. Like, why does it doesn't matter? You're not the better team right now. No, I don't think there's any argument there. We'll go find out in a few weeks. A couple more weeks, and that war on I four will be here. How do we get here? How do we get from Cincinnati? Oh, we were talking about Cincinnati. We are talking about Cincinnati. God, we get off on some great tangents. I love it. It's, it's awesome. Who cares? We get what we want to say. Uh, it's okay, so then but bringing it back to Cincinnati, it's just they're not getting the respect, and I think that might have something to do with it is people just assume it, it's about a brand, and right now Cincinnati doesn't have the same brand that they used to, and USF – does because they win 10 games a season or whatever but that doesn't make you a better team just because your brand is better no arguments there it's Cincinnati's Cincinnati has never been a sexy team though you know what I mean like they don't do anything they never have in my eyes like even when they were like back in what was it five ten years ago when they, you know they were always in the running for the top 25 not too long ago I feel like but they were never, again, they were never really a, a team that stood out. But they were always solid. And then they had those years off, and I feel like people have completely forgotten about them. And now they're back, hopefully. We'll see. I think it only helps out the conference if there's another team that steps up like Cincinnati. Yeah, it, it, it helps that three teams from the AAC East are undefeated, but only one of them is going to remain undefeated at the end of the year, and that's not even a guarantee. Well, yeah, right, but like literally, the schedule will will only allow it. But yeah, like you said, there's no guarantee that any of them will remain undefeated. But I don't. Yeah, it's just. But I I don't know. Does like <laughs> that does does that make the argument like again like you look at the Big Twelve, they don't have an undefeated team. Uh, yeah, also very true. But because they have a brand, like, they're better, you know? Like, does that make them... That's the conference that I feel like we should always look at. For some reason... Throw in the, the Pac-12, too. Well, yeah, I can't argue that, too. Those those two, two conferences, why are they not on the same level? Because there is... You see that, and we've talked about this in the past, though. They don't have an ECU and a UConn. That's their, our problem. Yeah. That's the issue. Well, yeah, depth's going to be an issue for a while, but what the way that you can – the easiest way, which is not very easy at the same time, for the AAC to get more recognition is to to keep getting those Power 5 wins. Because if you keep winning those games and Both people are going to see – Yeah, exactly. Yep. That's like the only way they can do it right now. 
No one's just going to be like, all of a sudden wake up and say, oh, yeah, AAC should be a power conference. They are. They're the power six. <laughs> We're here to help you out, Mike. Don't worry about it. Power six, and we have the defending national champions. Amen. Somehow we went from talking about a game this week to all the way to that. Great. Let's talk more games this week. Let's talk a game between two one and five teams. And I guess I would have never honestly thought that. Honestly, maybe would have. Well, maybe Tulsa I did say at one and five, but I never honestly would have expected Arkansas to be one and five at this point of the season. Arkansas is a five and a half point favorite. And I think it's a little bit interesting. You know, this is one of two games this week where we have an AAC team taking on an SEC team. So maybe this is the week that we can. I don't think they're going to win either game, to be honest. But maybe make an impression if they were to pull off an upset. I'm surprised that Arkansas is only favored by five and a half points. Like Same I get, here. I get that they're not the they're. Are they the worst team in the SEC? They're down there. Whatever. It doesn't matter. They're one of the worst, and Tulsa's one of the worst in the AAC, which I know we just said that they're better than the record indicates, but this is it's Arkansas. It's not USF. I mean, I have no arguments there. I agree with it. I actually was a little bit surprised to see this one, too. I, granted, I'm not watching Arkansas play every week, so I don't know just how good or bad they have been, but from what I've seen from Tulsa, especially offensively, you might be seeing that line in a couple of days from me. I know I'm supposed to put underdogs against the spread, but we're going to be taking, <laughs> we're going to be taking a favor right here. Yeah. Sometimes you got to go after a winner and easy money. Another interesting game, I guess, will be this week is two teams that had the week off last week, so they've had a couple weeks to uh, plan each other out. But there are two teams that we both have really talked about this year. We really have no idea what to make of them. And that is SMU taking on Tulane. Uh, Tulane is a seven-point favorite, which doesn't really surprise me considering, again, we don't know what to make of either one of these teams. I will make the argument that Tulane has the better two wins, I guess. That's really the only reason why I guess they're a seven-point favorite. But again... Uh, this game is going to be hard to pick when we have to make our pick them later this week. Oh yeah, for sure. That's probably I, I think, I, either either team wins. I'm not surprised. The, I, okay, the other thing I would be more surprised about, honestly, if somehow SMU just comes out and blows this game out. That would be surprising. That would surprise me if Tulane wins by double digits. I don't think I would be necessarily surprised. But if SMU comes into there and does it, I will be a little bit surprised. But I don't see that happening. I don't. Well, and we've been talking about all year about the number of teams that we don't know what to make of. And I don't think I These two are it. I think these two are really the two. And I never thought of – I never put together like SMU and Tulane, I don't know what to make of them. And then realizing, oh, they play each other and I'm going to have to pick a winner between those two. Yeah, that's – might be the hardest game we're going to pick in our pick 'em all year is this one. Because there are two teams that are every week they're different. Well, maybe not SMU, because we've talked about it before. SMU is, they got pounded in those first couple games, and I think that was more because of the schedule. 
And then maybe the two weeks off, maybe they got things fixed. But then, and they get, oh, or even that, even those two weeks off, maybe they are prepared more for, for Tulane's option as well. But then you could say the other way around, you know, maybe Tulane's worked in some things that SMU hasn't seen in these two weeks off for them. What did you say the line was again? Seven. Tulane? Yeah. Which does seem a little bit... Again, like I, yeah, it seems high, but like I just said, like I I wouldn't be surprised at the same time if Tulane wins by double digits. Yeah, and I think, and I think that's all. You know, I think that's why I said that number. I, I do think that's high. I don't understand why Arkansas is five and a half and then Tulane is seven. Like I could totally see it being the other way around. That would make more sense in my eyes. But what do I know? Vegas knows more than I do. I guess. They're making millions and millions and millions, and I'm not. Not yet. It'll be coming. I'll hit that lottery one day. <laughs> Just remember your favorite uh, podcast co-host when you do. Yeah, we'll see about that. <laughs> I'll spread all the love. Don't worry. There you go. I'll spread all the love. And then I'll even try to bribe UCF to get into the playoff. I like it'll it. will be enough money. I'll contribute my money. <laughs> all right, touche. We can do all that. My money that you're giving to me, so I'm going to give it back to you. Fair enough. All right, that works. <laughs> Donation. I donate to you, and you donate it back. Look at that. Be a nice t- tax write-off for both of us. Exactly. Oh, God, we're thinking way too far ahead. <laughs> Other game that's at the 3.30 slot there, it's Houston traveling to Navy. Houston is a 5-1. They are a 13-point favorite at Annapolis. That number that was stuck in my head last week will probably be stuck in my head all again this week. How they haven't lost all those games as an home underdog, but... I don't think we really talked about it a whole lot in a lot in, when we were uh, recapping Houston, but Houston's offense has been very impressive all season long. And I don't think we've really gave them enough credit for it this year, to be honest. I mean, King every game is as an automatic three touchdowns. You know it's coming. I I said I said that we should start the conversation about King being one of the best quarterbacks in Houston's history. He's, no, he's, no argument there. I mean, he's getting close to, at least I would think in the numbers this year, Greg Ward territory, is he not? Yeah, I'm sure he's going to eclipse that. I mean, he's not going to he's not going to be like a Case Keenum. He's not going to produce no, those no, stats. No, 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 no. But, like, if you watch the games, he's a more complete quarterback than Case is because he can run, too. And his passing looks – I mean, his, his passing looks phenomenal. Like, he's making – He's making throws that I it's just is there's no hesitation in any of his decisions, and the balls that some of the balls he's thrown are just perfect. And then you throw on the fact that he like they'll put they'll they'll call design runs for him, and he can scramble, and he like he doesn't have the most rushing yards, but he's he's gonna look a lot better than. Like a Greg Ward would in terms of combination of passing and rushing, like he's he's so good, and I don't think people realize that. So I, but and I think it's time to start talking about it. Do you think he's a better passer than Greg Ward? Oh, easily, not even question. 
Which is, which is interesting considering they both, you know, they both started as wide receivers and switched over. Yeah, but but and then probably you can make the argument also that the next level probably the same thing for Derek King though. Like, will he have to make the same switch? If he can keep passing the way he is, then no. But it's it's an uphill battle regardless. Just because he's he's like what five eleven, and that's always going to be something people talk about. That, yeah, I think that's what's going to hold him back. Which, I mean, kind of held Greg Ward back, too, his size. He was a little guy. But Michael Vick made a career out of that kind of body. God, Michael Vick was good. Yeah, I know. He was just a different breed. Now everybody's compared to him, which kind of sucks. Yeah, well, I think it's just a lazy comparison. You have every position is like... You have those comparisons because people love comparisons. Like NFL draft, it's all about oh, well, who is he most like? Like no, no one's. I mean, even at, like Ed Oliver is compared to Aaron Donald, which if you're gonna p- compare someone Ed Oliver to someone, that's probably the, the closest you're gonna get. But Ed Oliver and Aaron Donald aren't the same player. So it's like I get it, but at the same time, I don't understand why we're so obsessed and we need like a comparison, you know? Because that's what gets the clicks. Yeah. That's what gets the views. That's gets what all the good stuff. That's what gets us paid. That's true. The few bucks we get. Hey, better than nothing. I agree. Better than nothing. I ain't gonna make no argument about that. All right, let's go into the other AAC versus SEC matchup, and that's Memphis taking on Missouri. Um, Missouri, a nine-and-a-half-point favorite, which I guess shouldn't surprise again because it is SEC school. So I guess what my argument or what the topic I guess we'll talk about here is can you see Memphis pulling off an upset here? Not after last week, to be completely honest. Um, that's see, that's kind of the boat I'm in too. I don't know. Even if they did beat UCF last last week, I don't know. It's yeah, I don't know. It's just it's a different. And we saw okay. We saw, I guess here's my argument for why it wouldn't matter. We saw what happened to Memphis when they got behind. Like Memphis offense can score a lot of points. But we saw what happened when they get behind against Tulane. And we even saw what happened when UCF was coming back and the pressure was on the offense to score. They just couldn't handle it. And Missouri's going to score points on Memphis' defense. So Missouri's offense is just so good that I just don't, don't see a way that like Memphis can't get in a shootout with them, but it's going to be because that's how good Missouri's offense is. I think Missouri's going to come out pretty upset, but getting handed to them by Alabama too. And they didn't even get—they didn't even get the beatdown that Alabama's given to most teams. Right? Yeah, thirty-nine to ten. I mean, that's that's being pretty generous considering the, what they have done to a lot of teams this year. And if you look at—I mean, there are other two losses. Parks. The other two losses other than Alabama, one was to Georgia. I mean, can't knock them for that one. And then a loss on the road to South Carolina where they put up 35 points. So, yeah, like you said, they're going to score. I think they're going to score a ton of points. 
Because I think this is a game where they're going to just be like, you know what, we need to shake off what happened last week and kind of try to run it up on Memphis if they can. And you said it. I don't think Memphis, I don't want to say they're in the same category as some of the other teams, but they, they're not the same team offensively that they were last year. That's for sure. And did you see Anthony Miller's sketch the other day, by the way, speaking of? Memphis? No. Oh, my God, the kid's so good. He he was what well, because he's been hurt for a while. Yeah, he, he played yesterday and he had a, he had an amazing catch. Kid's so good. He's so fun to watch. Yeah, he's so good. So is Daryl Henderson though. Yeah, he really is. He just needs some help. Well, his problem is that he he plays for Memphis. He's going to be another guy, almost like Anthony Miller. I mean, you know he's going to come out and a lot of people are going to like him at the next level, but people are, are not going to know who he is except for us because we know everything. You know who's like okay, so you, uh, another guy in that same category, but to more of an extent, is his backup. Like Patrick Taylor, no one knows who Patrick Taylor is, and he could start for a lot of schools. Also true. But he's stuck behind Daryl. Not stuck, but he's behind Daryl Henderson, and Henderson already doesn't get enough recognition. And then you throw in his backup, who people don't pay attention to even on his own team. Mm-hmm. No, no arguments with that. I mean, they're both... It seems like almost every game they have 100 yards apiece. Like, almost every single game. They're, they're putting up, put up yards in bunches. And that's what... Honestly, if they're going to win this game, that's how they're going to win it. Those two are going to have to turn it out on the ground because, like you said, they can't get in that shootout because they'll stand no chance. Yeah, they, they just can't. And at least we haven't seen anything this year that... That says otherwise. Nope, they're definitely not the team from last year. And then the final two games of the week, I guess we can just lump them together because it features both both Florida teams, the two undefeated Florida teams, that being UCF and USF, taking on the two worst teams in the conference. UCF will be taking on ECU. USF will be taking on UConn. So my question to you is, who wins by more? It's mm, a good question. Who wins by more? What are the lines? Well, that's cheating. I want to know the lines. That's helpful. East, or UCF minus 21. USF minus 32 and a half. Okay, let's put it this way. UCF is on the road. USF is at home. Hmm. I'll probably go UCF because, I mean, USF should score 70 points this game, but just because they just haven't proven anything. That's the problem. I want to say I want to say USF. I'm I'm going USF. I just think that UConn is just that bad. If Rhode Island can score 49, why can't Uh, USF? Because it's USF. I know it's UConn, but it's USF, and I don't know. Maybe maybe UConn being UConn trumps USF being USF, but I think so. Oh, UConn State. Wichita State puts up a better fight. 
I hope UConn wins. Oh my God, you're starting a fire down there. Good. Do you think East Carolina is going to win too? Do you still think that ECU is going to make a bowl game? Uh, you're never going to let that down, are you? Nope. Every let episode is going to. Let out joke with you because you don't take everything seriously. Uh, eight teams, and that was your eighth team. Yeah, you made me pick a team, and I just said ECU for fun. I didn't hold a gun to your head. That's also true. Although our listeners don't know that. No, we live in different time zones. (laughs) (laughs) That's That's, why they can believe it. That's true. No, I mean, with one where I could stick my hand through the computer, but that hasn't happened yet. (gasps) No, ECU's not going to a bowl game. I don't know, eight, eight, even seven teams now, like your prediction of seven? Like, I don't know. I forget who I even said for seven. All right, so we got our three undefeated. We said Cincinnati, or okay, yeah, so we, three undefeated. Yep. Our Houston we had in. Memphis. Memphis was our fifth one. Where else were we going? Well, we thought Navy at the time, but that's looking terrible. Oh, and then yeah, you have SMU Memphis. and Tulane. I got Temple. That's six. That's six, yep. That's, that's looking well. That's looking. We'll see. Let's just put it that way. That's it. It might be six only. SMU, Tulane, and Navy are all like, uh, I don't know. But I guess at this point, it's more of they're gonna, they're gonna beat up on each other. I guess we'll find out which one of them, if one of them, can sneak it out. Man, four, that means all those teams gotta go four and two. Yeah. Like is that that's not happening. Sticking by my number seven. Sticking by it though. Somebody will help me out. My number eight looks maybe my awful. pre my maybe my preseason prediction of SMU will end up paying off for me. There you go. To at least make a bowl game. I like your prediction, but eight seems uh, eight. Well, when happening. when did when did we talk? That was like two three weeks ago. Oh, two or three podcasts ago, yeah. I think like at that at that point. Like eight, if we got if AAC got eight teams in, neither one of us would be super surprised. But now it'd be like it. So much has changed in those two three weeks. I remember back then not liking Navy. I know that I've been against Navy all year though. I don't know where you got eight though. I don't know what you were drinking before you started. Uh, well, yeah, some something changed. I guess that's yeah. I guess that's perfect time to end this episode. Looking back at how terrible we are at some things, but we're great at others. Hey, at least we're not bad at Southern Miss. Ooh. I saw that and I laughed so hard. That was nice. You know, you here's the nice. thing: USF and UCF fans are seem. So much nicer than Southern Miss fans. Talk about entitlement. Good grief. Yep, can't argue that. I was so happy that they got killed. And just to let them know, they're still not on our G5 rankings this week. Yeah, your team sucks. Get over it. They're not on our G5 rankings this week. See, here's the thing. We can talk all we want about Southern Miss because not a single Southern Miss person is probably listening to this podcast. So we can say whatever we want. And that's what makes it a hundred times better. God. Seriously, they they were two and th- they were two and three, 
And whoever does our power rankings for Conference USA had them eighth because they came off a bye week. And people were like, we deserve to be better. They don't know anything about Southern Miss. It's like, your team's two and three. They're trash. They're awful. And I can't wait to tag us in Southern Miss talk this week. Bring it on. Just because Brett Favre went there. God, talk about living in the past. Just because Brett Favre went there. How do we get to Southern Miss? All right, that's it. We got to end this episode. Somehow we got on a Southern Miss tangent on the AAC podcast. If you're not following the Underdog Podcast or Underdog Dynasty, I should say, on Facebook and Twitter, make sure you do so. Leave us some reviews. Tell us how good me and Joe are. We like to hear it. Or tell us how bad we are. We don't care. No, tell us how good we are. We need the we need the boost. Well, okay. He <laughs> needs an ego boost. I'm all right. You can tell me how terrible I am. <laughs> Nothing new for me. You hear it every podcast when I talk to you. Also very true. And I'll end the show with this question. Does Randy Edsel survive another week if USF blows them out by 50 points? Yeah, let me ask you a question. If if ECU loses by 50 points, does Scotty Montgomery get the... Does, does he uh, lose his job? Are we, we're gonna, we can get back to that now. For a while, we can talk about that. It would be about time. Thank you.